Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. This is podcast number 34. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. On this week's podcast, I get a chance to meet and talk to Ira Haberman. And Ira and I met as I've met many of these amazing deadheads that you've gotten to hear our conversations on the internet. And Ira has a podcast that's a Grateful Dead genre podcast where he talks to some really fantastic guests, uh, Dave Lemieux and Scott Metzger, and really enjoyed listening to it. So we, we got in touch, and now we get a chance to hear Ira's stories and music selections. Uh, this was the first time we talked, so it's, uh, it's a little from the hip, but it was so much fun. And uh, last thing I'll mention is, you know, normally the guest picks three to five songs, and Ira got a sixth song in there. And, you know, with these six songs, it's a little long, but really worth every minute because it spans from his first show to the music that, you know, influenced him and turned him on to Transitional Dead and uh, really get a chance to highlight and high spot each of the core members. So, so much fun to meet and talk to, and I hope you guys enjoy too. So thanks as always for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Well, Ira, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. So happy to be here. It's really exciting. This is exciting. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, this is really kind of throwing caution to the wind because I've, I've had conversations with less of a dialogue before, but this is, this right. is really blind. This is our first time talking. Yeah, well, you know, I don't like to um, spoil the fun by letting everything out before we actually have an opportunity to talk on tape. I find if we had a discussion beforehand, what would happen is you would know all the stories and we wouldn't be able to dig in deeply because you wouldn't be surprised by anything. And that's not exciting. So I prefer spontaneity. It adds a little bit of element and surprise to the discussion. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for just doing this kind of blindly. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, now now you've got to surprise me. <laughs> Dazzle you. Yeah. Now I want to be dazzled by these stories that I couldn't <laughs> right. hear before. Now my eyes are going to be popping out like a cartoon character with all of, all of your stories that we're going well, to get to hear. I'm glad I've oversold everything. That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, you know, I guess as, as always, let's start, you know, early days. I mean, uh, early days, music, listening, you know, we're going to yeah. hear some tunes, but let's, uh, let's always a good place to start. Well, you know what? I, so I'm a suburban kid. I, I grew up just outside of Toronto. And um, in high school, I was listening to all kinds of music. I, I was listening to hip hop and I was listening to, you know, classic rock. And, and I was listening to all kinds of things. But the one thing that always caught my ear amongst, uh, um, caught my ear and, and sort of amongst my peer group in high school was the dead. And so, I, you know, I was listening to Blues Traveler and Spin Doctors and all of that, and they said, i got to go OG on this stuff, and i got to start listening to, to The Grateful Dead. And so I did, but kind of like, you know, it was one of the bands in the mix at the time. And so we were on a family vacation out in uh, L.A., and the family decided that we would go up to San Francisco and check out San Francisco in, in 1991. And I had a cousin who was a huge deadhead, 
and I think her boyfriend at the time, they, you know, they were on tour and she had seen hundreds of shows. And so we met them for breakfast one morning in Berkeley while we were on this family vacation. And she said, hey, I know you're really into music. Do you want to come see the Grateful Dead tonight? And I said, what? And so that was 122891. Uh, and we were at a breakfast spot in Berkeley. And I remember it vividly. We had uh, freshly squeezed orange juice. And I was with my mom and my dad and my little sister. And I said, can I? Can I? I mean, I'm 16. <laughs> I'm in a foreign country. And we're sort of on a family vacation. And I said, can I? And they, and they kind of both rolled. My mom and my dad kind of rolled their eyes and said, well, you're going with Cousin Andrea and everything will be okay. Little did they know that would be a monumental discussion and a monumental change in my life agreeing uh, and letting me go to a concert with, you know, some deadhead crazy cousin totally changed my life. And that evening totally changed my life. So I, I remember the events of 122891 fairly vividly because I think it really was a moment that changed kind of my appreciation for music and my appreciation for the Grateful Dead and my appreciation for a whole bunch of things really changed. Uh, on that day, you know, in, in Berkeley in, uh, started in, in Oakland. Well, Berkeley started, I, I, you know, I'm listening to your story and I wasn't at 1228, but I was at 1231 that year with my sister and we yeah. ran into a cousin. So I'm, I'm like visualizing that Oakland Coliseum and that, that parking lot and that, that scene and that place. And, um, and it just makes me smile, you know, thinking about, yeah. you know, like just, you know, thinking about the, the proximity and the time and space and, yeah, totally. You know, it was so interesting because, you know, until you experience Shakedown Street, until you actually experience running a tape deck, oh my God, this is going to sound crazy, but until you experience running a tape deck to the taper section, and until you actually see what has become your favorite band of all time up on stage, it's, it's, you can't even describe it. And so there I am, I'm 16 years old, I'm, I'm, in Oakland, California, at the Oakland County Coliseum, I've never seen the Grateful Dead before, and the band comes out on stage. We were sitting, uh, we were sitting Phil side up and in, up into the seats a bit, and they open with one more Saturday night. And I got to tell you, I think my jaw was just dropped wide open the entire first song. I, I it was one more Saturday night. They didn't finish because they came back at the end of the, at the end of the night and, and did kind of a reprise of one more Saturday night, which they've never done before and have never had never done since. Wow. And so before I got my bearing straight, I was just in awe. And so that one more Saturday night went by so fast. And then one of the few songs that I knew all the words to came next. And it was Jack straw. And what was funny was a gentleman who was Seated beside me, who was enjoying his Southern comfort, I think, said to me, hey, man, let Jerry sing. I must have been <laughs> like totally yelling and screaming and shouting lyrics because <laughs> the poor guy beside me was like, hey, man, let Jerry sing. And what was interesting is Bobby flubbed the lyrics like like second verse. He totally missed the lyrics and everybody went silent. I'm like, oh, my God, it's me. It's me because I've been singing in my seat. They screwed up the lyric, and then I, I and then from then on, it was just uh, I, I was just mesmerized by the rest of the night. But but that Jack Straw is so etched in my memory more than more than the one more Saturday night because I was I was in shock that I was actually there, 
and it was a great night. And, you know, um, you know, it was past Brent's time with the band. So Vince Walnick was there, but also Bruce Hornsby was on stage and he played accordion, a couple songs and just a magical night for me. I, I, I remember it so vividly. I remember leaving there and telling my dad, my dad actually picked us up in the parking lot of the Oakland Coliseum. Remember wow. my, my family is on a family vacation and they, I basically abandoned them to go to the show. My dad said, what, what do you want? And I, and you know, I want a pizza. So I had, I, I devoured an entire large cheese pizza. I mean, the whole thing is just hilarious. And that's twelve twenty eight ninety one, And that's really how this, my entree into the dead really started. And so that was what I, I celebrated my 25th anniversary recently. And so that's, that's how it all started. Well, I love it, and uh, and you know this podcast we like to play the music, right? Because yeah. we're talking about the music, and right. now I want to hear the music, and you know it like gets me all excited to hear the music. So, <laughs> um, so we're gonna hear it, and we're gonna hear that Jack Straw with the whole. Yeah, we're gonna hear it, and and maybe we'll hear you singing in the back, like maybe the tapers got <laughs> some yeah. of it. So well, I, I don't so. know. Maybe we'll uh, we'll say like I heard Iron there. <laughs> So uh, so let's go in and let's play some of it, and then we're going to come on down and, and beat it down the line a bit. Perfect. Okay. We could share the women, we could share the wine. So hot, the clouds so low, you know it's good 
Coliseum, Jack Straw, and uh, it's 1991. So uh, tell us what uh, what happened next along the journey. Yeah, so you know, I got home and I just wanted to digest. I my ears needed to digest every single thing I could get my hands on. So you know, I started this whole thing of trading tapes, and I got a lot of tapes from my cousin Andrea and her brother Sheldon in, in Montreal. Um, well, Andrew was on the road, but Sheldon was on in Montreal and I, and I got a lot of tapes from them, but it wasn't enough. So I, I started, I started going to the CD shops in town and trying to get Grateful Dead music. And what, what, what ended up happening was in Canada, there's, there was at the time limited access kind of to anything that wasn't regular albums. So, you know, you could get skeletons from the closet, you could get 
uh, Terrapin Station, or but you couldn't get any of the really tasty live stuff. So, again, <laughs> we went down to Buffalo, and I picked up one from the vault. Uh. And, and everything from the moment Bill Graham starts talking to the very end of the second CD, uh, I couldn't stop listening, and I wore that thing out. I mean... It was a digipack, so it wasn't a regular CD. It was kind of in that, in that paper with a plastic tray kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And my copy was worn out because I kept opening it. I kept looking at it. I was looking at the spider. Like, I remember the spider web. I remember, I remember the album. I remember reading the whole cover and, and listening to it endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. And, and that introduction, Bill Graham's introdu- inter- introduction into the Help Slip Frank is something that has stuck with me, and I hear in my head constantly because I, I, I played it literally constantly for, for months and months and months because that whole first disc, there's an Eyes of the World that's really tasty there too, but that Help Slip Frank for so long was my favorite. People would say, what's your favorite Grateful Dead song? And I said, well, it's not one song. It's actually three songs. It's Help Slip Frank because for me, that was the bomb. And that was the bomb for a very, very long time. And I would listen to everything, but I always go back to that Health Slip Frank from, I think it's 73, and it it is everything. I Like, note for note, I air drum to, to Billy and, and everything, and it's just, for me, that Health Slip Frank probably just reaffirmed everything that I had learned at 122891. Well, and it's so welcoming to, like, the scene in San Francisco. I mean, with Bill saying that, it's like, you know, I mean, it's everything that that was happening at that time. You know, he's welcoming you into their world there at the Great American Music Hall. You know, I, yeah. I feel like that just, it sets it off on that right foot, and then it just, and then it's off, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, and what's interesting is is that he's having fun, right, when he's introducing the guys, and it makes every, uh, and Donna, but it makes everybody more real because they just seem like ordinary people playing their instruments. It's not like, you know, it's not like it's intimate. Yeah, it's very intimate. Exactly. And so that's a great word to use for it. And so I always think about that. And, you know, I have a friend who, who, who always does the Bill Graham introduction when we get together because it's just so funny. And, and Bill, I don't think Bill gets enough credit for, for the kind of the work that he did with the band and, and, he 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 helped elevate them to a certain stature, and so the whole thing is just so beautiful. And that and and the helps Slip Frank is just just delicious. It is well, you know, this is this is kind of funny. So we again, this is all on the fly, and you send your music, <laughs> and uh, so what's funny is I have taped the podcast the week before yours, right? Yeah, and it's the same intro, Help Slip Frank, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 which I love in its own way because it's like it's so awesome that two because po- this this podcast is so organic and it's about the people and you know Papa Bear is uh, you know this dude in New England that I met and you know like he came to me. With with, you know, I don't know, you got 10,000 shows, concerts, songs to come to yeah. with the same selection as you did. So I would never turn away a selection because <laughs> it's all part of the story, right? And, right. and it's um, and it's kind of cool when two snowflakes come about the same shape, you know? Yeah, you totally. Know? So, um, so I am going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to play it. So anybody who happens to be a listener and has heard the help slip from the week <laughs> before, 
bear with us and uh, enjoy it. Or and, and and realistically, it is so tasty that you should actually hear it more than once. I mean, it's it's something that I've heard more than once. So why can't your audience? Why right? not? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's Perfect. it's uh yeah no it's it's so awesome. I think with his, I did help slip, and then I did the help slip Franklin on the companion. So let's enjoy, and then we'll be back uh, to hear a little bit more music and a little more stories. Well, welcome, please, the Grateful Dead.
Everybody enjoyed listening to the Helps of Franklin from American Music Hall, and uh, and I, yeah, it's just that it's so good, it's so fun. I can hear it over and over and over as <laughs> as you have as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's a, there's a couple album choices. So these are you know that that are, that we're going to talk a little bit about. Tell me a little about about your relationship with uh, Go to Nassau and what that means. Well, you know what I. I think there's there's so much material out there, and I, and I appreciate that you know a lot of this is available on archive.org or all the tapes that I had and and all of that. But for me, the work that uh, David Lemieux now does as the archivist and Dick Vatla did before him, uh, all of that material is so much better when it's professionally produced. And so, not to take anything away from you know the work that Charlie Miller does or Betty Kenner Jackson or any of those original reels, but really really being able to digitize that music and, and make it sound sonically so much more appealing is really exciting to me. And so when I got my hands on Go to Nassau, first of all, uh, what's interesting about it is it's a 1980 show, and, and people, you know, kind of are weary about uh, the, you know, the 80s period, kind of when things changed for the band quite a bit, and, and Keith was gone, and so... Brent comes in, and so there's a whole different vibe to the band. But I, I, I'll say this about NASA, and, and specifically about Bobby on that show. I, I don't think Bobby, you know, Bobby was a screamer. And, and so this show is so different for me because Bobby's not screaming. And, and some of the songs that are on Go to Heaven are, are on this record because this was the show post Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. And so what I really appreciate is, the songs that Bobby does. And it kind of reinvigorated how I felt about Bobby and how I felt about his music. Because too often, I think all of us kind of get captured by Jer and, 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 and Jerry's songs and all the great, obviously, songs that are in the, the Hunter Garcia songbook. And, and sometimes you just have to take a step back and think, you know, there are other guys in the band and, and there are other great songs. And so for me, one of those songs is Saint of Circumstance. And we kind of had this joke amongst my friends that it was the song of the year. And it's been the song of the year for multiple years just because it's a great song. And I don't think it gets enough credit. And sometimes I think Bobby's songs don't get enough credit because he's not Jerry. And so I love Saint of Circumstance. And I specifically love this version from Go to Nassau because for me, it's it captures the emotion of the song and, and Bobby's just spot on throughout the entire song. 
Uh, and the lyrics on this song too. I mean, the song goes. I mean, it's it's a sweet, right? It's a sweet yeah. of it's a sweet within the song, and it has so many different. It takes you to so many different places in the song. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it has all the bells and whistles. It takes you to a bunch of different places. It has these meaningful lyrics that that can transcend your life, you know, and totally. you can come back to. And uh, I mean, I'm a Bobby girl. I mean, I'm I'm an every everyone. Right, right, I love, right. I, I love it all, but I. Yeah. I definitely don't shy away from uh, from having some like top top picks that are Bobby. So I'm I'm always um, yeah. It's I'm, it's it's it. great that you mentioned the lyrics because for me, you know, so often we got caught up in the rat race of what's going on in our lives, and and so what for me, this song is so introspective and and re- I was I found it really relatable, and and I found it I've I've recently found it more relatable, but I really love the lyrics of this song, and actually when people ask. You know, on Facebook, you put in your religion, and I just put, I'm a saint of circumstance. I mean, this is just the way we're living our lives. And so I, I just love the lyrics, and I love everything about uh, I, I love everything about this song and this performance of the song. I totally agree. And uh, and it's funny, because this, you know, this podcast that we're here on, and, and hopefully people are listening to, um, you know, it's a fun project, and it's brand, it's, you know, what, nine months old out of nowhere, like just something for fun. And as it's gone along, and I've met different kinds of people, and people say, you know, what do you, you know, what's your plan? And, and I will quote, say the circumstance, right. with, you know, sure don't know what I'm going for, but I'm going to go for it for sure so all right well let's uh let's go let's go for it let's uh let's let's go for it and uh play the song and then uh and then we'll be back Chasing dreams Driven by the wind Like dust that blows around In the rain falling down But I never know No, I never know No, no This must be heaven about to fall I can hear the sirens call It's a certain soul of sound And the rain falling down now The rain falling down And the rain falling down Time to lose. 
of circumstance and uh, we're going to go a little down the journey with uh, one of the, the next songs and experiences which I have as Althea from Fare Thee Well. Yeah so I thought it was important to talk about Fare Thee Well because as somebody who grew up kind of at the end uh, you know my first show was in 91 and, and I saw a few shows after that but you know with Jer's passing in 95 for me it's been all about transformative dead and, and by that I mean something that um, David Lemieux talked about on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and that's this notion that 
when somebody passes on or when uh, the music or the musicians change, at least there are people to pick up the baton and keep the thing going. And so it's really important that we, we talk a bit about Transformative Dead because it's been so much part of my experience, you know, initially with Rat Dog and, and then with uh, Dark Star Orchestra and now J-Rat and, and some of the cover bands um, that are around. You know, Mars Hotel is a big one here in Toronto who I adore. There are people who say that with Jerry's passing, it'll never be the same. Um, and, and that's true. That's true. There are also those, by the way, who say with Pigpen's passing, it would never be the same. Or when Keith and Donna left the band, it would never be the same. Or when Brent passed away, it would never be the same. Or for that brief period when Mickey wasn't in the band, it wasn't the same. But here's the deal. The songs live on because they are so spectacular, whether they're the Garcia songs or the Weir songs or even the couple of Lesh songs. It doesn't really matter. So for me, it's about the music and it's about the community. And, and what struck me at Fairly Well is it really took a long time for people to kind of grasp this notion that Trey Anastasio, a huge musician on his own right with tremendous chops, who is not Jerry Garcia, nor does not want to be Jerry Garcia, kind of had to fill this role at fairly well. And I think it took him, well, for me at least, it took him two and a half shows until this <laughs> Althea to finally grasp the reality that he's not Jerry Garcia and for the fans to grasp the reality that he's not Jerry Garcia. And this Althea, to me, he lets loose and he's just Trey singing a beautiful song, a very Jerry Garcia song. And, and, and for me, it really symbolized what, fare thee well was all about oh, absolutely no I, I couldn't agree with you more I think no I think there's just you know I was checking a word incarnations or, or uh, iterations and the difference right. between those two words and honestly in which one I was going to apply to you know the the different um, the transformative dead and they're both correct right because there's right. iterations which would be the 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 different bands coming in and then the incarnations which would be the variations of the players and uh, and and I love it all right we're we're why we welcome it all yeah you know it's it's amazing in a previous conversation you mentioned to me that we don't we don't talk about the people that play box music it's just box music or Mozart's music it doesn't really matter who's playing it it's still incredible music and so. That's the point. I think that's the takeaway is that these are undeniable, incredible musicians and undeniably one of the greatest rock bands of all time. And so if their spirit and their music lives on in different incarnations or different iterations, who the fuck, sorry, cares? No. Amen, brothers. You preach into the choir. Amen. (laughs) And the funniest part is so many of our favorite songs and, and particularly Jerry Garcia's bands aren't even their music, you know, like right. their covers. So the part that always makes me laugh is when people talk about covering the dead, which were covers anyways, you know, like yeah. no one, you look at Jerry and nobody's tossing any shade on playing, you know, uh, great R&B music that they created into their own. So there's and that. When, and when Jerry passed along, his biggest compliment was paid by Bob Dylan, who he covered all the time. And he said, Bob said, nobody covered me as well as Jerry Garcia with passion and emotion. And, and so if Bob Dylan is saying, I'm over this idea of people covering my music, God damn it, let's all get over it and just enjoy the music. 
Absolutely. I mean, okay, no no disrespect to Bob Dylan, who I think is one of the most amazing songwriters of all times and, you know, right. just received a prize and, you know, everything. But I have a little theory that any Bob Dylan song that you like, if you hear someone else sing it, it will sound better. <laughs> he wrote it, but like he positively Fourth Street with Jerry Garcia, like sealed the deal for me, you know, because I'd never heard a cover of it. And uh -huh. then I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah I, so. I get it. <laughs> but I, I do I do love I love it all. Well, let's go hear it. So let's uh, let's go in and hear the Althea from Fare Thee Well. And uh, we'll be back with a couple more songs and a couple more stories.
Love. 
Well, back from listening to Althea and uh, and your next pick that we're going to listen to is I mean it's it's my pick it's it's such it's Dave's pick it's uh, it's such a special pick so tell us a little bit about the next song on the uh, on the docket. Yeah, so Eyes of the World is undeniably my favorite Grateful Dead song, and there's so many reasons why. First of all, um, it's just a beautiful song, and the lyrics are so amazing, and I think it's. Uh, in many ways, a very spiritual song that I connect with. And so I appreciate the lyrics. I appreciate the kind of different versions of of the song from beginning to end, uh, you know, from 73 till, till the end. There are so many memorable versions of this song. Of course, the most notable one is, of course, what many people refer to as the Holy of Holies and uh, – the version that Brentford Marsalis sat in on in uh, at, at MSG, but for me, uh, and only recently, four two seventy three at the Boston Garden, uh, a very memorable date. Yeah, and I didn't know this, so this is <laughs> so this is an incredible coincidence. But for me, four two seventy three, Eyes of the World, and and only recently have I really gotten into it because of the last five minutes of the song where Jerry just riffs it up and does some. Uh, crazy things that you know every song every version of every song is always different but this one in particular is a gem for me and so for 4273 eyes of the world uh last six minutes are breathtaking last five six minutes are breathtaking and so it's my favorite version right now of eyes of the world and the story's even bigger than just my appreciation for this song stacy yes well you i love it too i love it too i mean when i started this podcast my first podcast is an intro and it was my first time ever doing anything like this and i picked two songs that were meaningful to me and it was eyes of the world from 4273 and here comes sunshine because it is my birth date not birthday but birth date and amazing Living in Massachusetts and having it be in Boston and being from California, where they were, you know, from, but visiting Boston, the whole thing is just dripping with your classic Grateful Dead serendipity magic, you know, which <laughs> I just love. If I can, I can find some Grateful Dead serendipity magic in any situation, but this one's just, right. you know, just handed over to you. Like they're in Boston and I'm here, and and Eyes of the World. To your point, it's such a it's such a meaningful song for you know for birth and for dawning and for you know everything. So. Yeah. And you're killing me with this like last five minutes because this podcast I we picked five songs and now I got to play the whole song because we got to hear the last five minutes so it may run long listeners don't blame but me blame it'll, Jerry it'll be worth every extra minute on this podcast because I'm not going to trim this guy down Perfect. so everybody enjoy this uh, unabridged version of uh, Eyes of the World on the auspicious date of four two seventy three and we will be back. Summer home, 
our last bonus round. We have a bonus round here today on Strangers Stopping Strangers, the, the infamous sixth song. I always tell people three to five songs, but you manage six. Yeah, well, there was at least a half dozen more to go, but um, <laughs> I, cut it, I cut it a little short. So it's so impossible to do uh, everybody in the band justice, every song in the canon justice. But I just wanted to, I wanted to shout out Brent um, because... You know, by the time I got to the dead, Brent had already passed on, and um, I was so deep in early dead and 70s dead that it took a while for me to catch up, what, 25 years, I guess? And, and now I can't, I can't help but listen to all of the Brent stuff because he's so incredible. So as a musician, as a, as a player, incredible as a singer, incredible, and even as a songwriter, so incredible. And so uh, Blow Away for me is just one of those uh, songs that is just part of my being right now. And, I, and, I, and, and so it wouldn't be fair if we were talking about Ira Haberman and the songs that he appreciates of The Grateful Dead if we didn't include Blow Away because it's, it's really a big part of, of who, who I am right now. And so uh, I love the song. Uh, I love Brent's energy in this particular version, and uh, it's available on YouTube if you want to catch a visual of it, and uh, just had to include it. Sorry. Sorry for, for stretching your time, Stacy, with putting it all together, but uh, really important note that we play Blow Away from, um, from Brent. Oh, I'm so glad we did. And I love this song and I love this, this era, this genre. And I love the, you know, he was, he was fantastic his whole run, but you know, at, towards the end and this song in particular, I mean, his, his songs and his lyrics and what he chose were, um, they're really poignant. And I feel like it's taken, uh, it's taken sort of a post humorous, you know, where people really look at it and get yeah. it. I don't think in the moment, people were really able to wrap their mind around how important it was. And uh, um, just recently we played We Can Run and, um, and, and Susanna had said, you know, this isn't that popular. And I said, actually it is, you know, mm -hmm. for a podcast where I let people pick three to five songs, I think it's my fourth time playing it. And, you know, and, and that's beautiful because it yeah. is important. The message is important. Brent was important. And, and I blow away is another one that it's, it's so beautiful. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have it part because it's it's really is part of the story, and I think this song was probably you know this and we can run. I mean they're just so personal to who he was. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Well, let's play that and we'll come back and uh, say a little goodbye. So we're taking you to this is the um, the crimson white and the indigo tour. indigo. This is the crimson white and indigo tour from seven seven nineteen eighty nine. So everybody enjoy and then we will return.
Well, thank you so much for joining Strangers Stopping Strangers. So much fun to get to know you over this and excited to meet you in person one of these yeah. days. Well, I'll be uh, – uh, tickets are booked, flights are booked, and I'll be at Dead & Co. at Fenway. So hopefully you'll be able to uh, meet up and uh, chat more about some great transitional dead. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, oh, I can't when wait. We're in, uh, when we're in Boston in, in June. Oh, I can't wait. And you're a big baseball fan, right? Yeah, so going to Fenway for me is going to be a bit of a problem because I'm a Toronto Blue Jay fan. And uh, 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 I don't I don't generally like anything to do with the Boston Red Sox. Um, so Fenway will be a problem. <laughs> Fenway will be a big, big problem. And I and I, I will say this. The only reason you could get me to go to Fenway Park if the Blue Jays aren't playing there is if the Grateful Dead or some incarnation thereof is playing at Fenway Park. Otherwise, that's a disgusting building to be in. <laughs> it's a no-fly zone. Well, exactly. I, well, I'm excited. Well, I mean, dude, all eyes are on June, man. I can't wait. So we will, yeah. we will definitely meet up and, and and shake our bones together a little bit, cool. and um, and uh, it's going to be really, really fun. So great. Looking Very forward cool. to it. Well, thank you again for joining, and uh, and we'll catch you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.